Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to On Brand with Alf and me, Rory Sutherland. Each month I'll be talking to household names as well as challenger brands about success, challenges and future opportunities in the advertising, marketing and media industries. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Milka Priva-Danova, who's the Vice President and Head of EMEA at Pinterest. Pinterest, as I'm sure you know, is a social media service designed to enable sharing and discovery of information and ideas in the form of pin boards. The platform was launched around 2010 in the United States and has 463 million global active users as of April 2023. The social sharing platform is forecast to hit $2.91 billion of advertising revenue by the end of the year, increasing to $4.1 billion by 2026, a huge projected growth ahead. So it's a pleasure to welcome Milka. And Milka, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. It's a joy to have you and congratulations on your recent promotion. Tell us more about your role and areas of responsibility, because I know Pinterest well. I have to admit, mostly through my daughters rather than me, but they were explaining to me that they use it very much if you're preparing anything, whether it's fashion-related, interior decor-related, anything really that's highly visual. They use it to create effectively mood boards and pin boards where you assemble together uh, things you like visually. Now, the question I'm going to ask which is a bit of a naive question, I must admit, because I should have thought about this more in any case, is how do you target advertising through people's visual predilections, if you like? First of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, and there is a, there's a lot here in, in what you just asked. So yeah. let me start by saying what Pinterest is. Well, Pinterest's mission is to help people create a life they love. And as you said, you know, people come here to plan and imagine uh Anything from everyday moments, from what to cook for dinner tonight to uh, big life moments like getting married, uh, moving house, to you know more seasonal moments like uh, Christmas. So all of those moments are, are planned on, on Pinterest, and what we are doing is making sure, like bringing people from that inspiration to realization, actually helping them really go from the idea into into reality. I really, we, we don't want people staying scrolling for hours on end. We want people to go offline and make those dreams reality. And the other thing you said is you said social media. And actually, this is something that we really don't see ourselves as social media. Ah, you're the only people who don't. Everybody, including YouTube, claims it's sort of social media. And that was because there was a time when social media companies got inflated valuations. 
So it seemed to pay everybody to pretend they were a social platform. You actually very bravely and honestly say, no, go on. We, we talk of ourselves as, um, as personal media because people go to Pinterest to be themselves. They don't go to debate politics or to, to, you know, to, to, come to, uh, to engage in the, the items of the day or whatever that might be. They, they go there to dream about whatever it is going on in their life. You know, in fact, eight out of 10 people say that Pinterest is the online voice. I'll tell you, um, you know, my own personal experiences. I was I was having a meeting uh, last week with, uh, with somebody. It was a business meeting, and I wanted to show their my feet. And Pinterest is always this representation of who I am and what I'm interested in at this point in time and in my life. And at that moment, I was uh, this last weekend. Uh, I went to uh, my first festival, so I was pl- I was uh, I was planning my festival outfits. So I had this crazy aesthetic of outfits, makeup, hair, and here I am sitting down, having a very business professional meeting, and then my feed is full of that. And so I had to, I had to caveat this with, by the way, this is why I see all of this. Um, but it's, it's exactly that people just go there to be themselves and to make themselves and their dreams a, a reality. So you can share your boards, obviously, if you yes. wish to. If you wish to, yes. But... Actually, a majority of people prefer to keep that as an oasis, as a private place, because obviously, you know, we don't want to share our innermost thoughts with everybody all the time. It depends what you're using it for. So if you're planning a house renovation, you might choose to share it with your partner, with your interior, if you're using interior designer, etc. Or you want to be, in my case, it's, I do that a lot with myself. So I have boards from anything from dream trips to you know, literally right now this morning, I was looking at uh, financial education for my one of my daughters. So it's, all of that is is, is there. Um, but I think the question around advertising is, is one of my favorite questions. So people that know I work for Pinterest but don't work in media, they ask me, but where are the ads? Uh, how do you make money? Well, I was going to ask the same question. But, but this, is, this, is the best, this is the best part because when, when people come to Pinterest, they have this, they come with this very open mindset and uh, 97% of our searches are unbranded, but they also have with a com- they come with a commercial mindset. People come to look for something, they're looking for that inspiration, and then they want to bring it to reality. So when done right, advertising, you know, it's actually additive, it becomes part of the experience. And in fact, you know, I have found myself pinning into my ports actual ads because they're just they're just they're just so additive to my own experience. So when I open my feed and I see the advertising. When it's spread that, it really it, 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 it really feels as part of the experience. And this is for me is what I call the you know the serendipity of advertising. Like when you go in and you find this amazing thing that you didn't know, like and I, I just love that. So in a sense actually you've achieved something which is closer, if you like, to a vogue or a house and garden, uh, in that the ads are actually part of the content, effectively. They are, you know, if you think about it, I mean Probably, let's be blunt about it, people wouldn't buy Vogue without the advertising. Um, and in the same way that the advertisements are just a complementary form of stimulus to what the person has effectively already assembled and curated themselves, um, advertising is a service. Almost. Yeah, and I, and I think the other thing that I, I, one of the reasons why it feels that way is because it's it's so much more based on you know, the, the explicit signals that users give us as, around what they're interested in. You know, they tell us what they're searching for. They tell us what they're pinning. You know, we have many ways to know what, what, 
users are actually interested. And when you take that and like and actually use that to tune the platform and the algorithm, like those explicit signals that add to the user experience, advertising becomes just part of that um, uh, beautiful experience that the user has. It's really, really interesting. So what sort of algorithms do you use then? Or, I mean, presumably there's some sort of AI at work here in deciding which ads to serve. Obviously, some of it's category specific. So someone who is assembling a board about clothing, say, or wedding clothing, will get clothing appropriate to that particular intention. I mean, look, on the on the, the background, this is a very sophisticated algorithm. And so you're looking at, you know, what, uh, again, th- these are the signals around somebody spinning, what they're clicking on, how, how long they're engaging with something. And that will depend on where users are in the chat world. Like, are you in the aware phase or are you, like, when you're ready to buy like so there's it's that is something much more complicated that i can ever be able to uh, to explain but ultimately one of our values as a company is always put pinners first so we always do things that are right to the end user so the way the whole platform is built in the way you know all of the advertising is so it's really make is making sure that at the end the user experience is is complete you know and i think one of the things that i think is so unique about pinterest is it's a proper full funnel platform both for the end consumer as well as the advertiser, if you actually think about it. You know, we, you don't have to go here and there, but you're starting, you're going like, I'm looking, I'm, I have this idea that I want to do something. I want to redecorate my, my living. I'm planning my 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 dream trip. And then to be on the platform, you can actually go all the way to making it happen. So interestingly, search, if you like, conventional textual search is, if you like, by necessity, kind of bottom of the funnel. Because the person has already decided what it is they're looking to looking for to a degree of specificity that they can actually search for it. Whereas you go further up the funnel, which is effectively you can spot intention and effectively create stimulus in advance of them actually coming to a conclusion about what it is they wanted. Yeah, it's almost like um, the difference between online shopping and online buying. So if you know know what you're going to buy, you know exactly, you know, there's probably, you go probably into another place. But this is, imagine like in the old days or what, you know, even now, if you go into a department store and you go in for one thing and you come out with something completely different, there's a joy in it, there's an experience in it. So this is, this is what, what Pinterest is, is people come with that open mindset. It really does really important. but people come to get inspired. They don't really know specifically what they're looking for. Again, it might be, it might be visual. They're looking for that inspiration. And from there, as they are, as they are going to the experience, you know, we can bring them all the way to, uh, to to the buying. And I think that's what's important. Is I think again, it's one of the changes probably uh, with Pinterest over the last few years is that ability at the end of the day to buy it. You know, shopping is a big big focus for us. You know, for for such a long time, but I think we've seen some really meaningful progress, and it's we're still on that journey. But we have seen a significant decrease in people engaging without those shopping surfaces, you know, people really wanting to go and kick and, and buy off of the back of that. You know, and one of our really ambitions is to make everything you see on Pinterest to be able to buy it or find something just like it. But that's also part of ultimately that full funnel. And, and actually, the value of each sale is probably higher with Pinterest than it would be lower down the funnel. Because at the bottom of the funnel, you can say, yes, they bought from us but they probably would have bought something from us in any case. Whereas your slightly preemptive approach actually means that in many cases, the sale and the product they actually bought is something they didn't even envisage wanting, 
when they when they started the process. So in other words, one of the things I complain about about digital choice architecture is that it tends to effectively strip out serendipity. You know, I mean, if you if you look at something which I was talking about earlier this morning, someone who runs an estate agent's firm, that by the time you go to Rightmove, in order to make the search results manageable on Rightmove, you've practically got to have decided where you want to live, how much you want to spend, and how many bedrooms you want. And actually, what we were saying is the estate agent, although people don't like estate agents, they bring in an extreme. If you watch a program like Location, Location, and Location, the value of the estate agent is they throw in wild cards and they actually show people things they didn't know they wanted or they show, show people things that don't meet the original criteria they set. But that's the right thing to do because if you talk to estate agents, most people come to an estate agent with a clear definition of what they want and end up buying something that doesn't match, probably true of relationships as well, actually. You know, if you ask people in advance to define their partner, most people end up marrying someone who, you know, doesn't necessarily meet all of those criteria, okay? And as a result, I think there's a fundamental problem in online decision-making in that it works through a process of premature elimination. And I think what is wonderful, because I, 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 as I said, I'm not a heavy user myself. I've used it, obviously, but my daughters are very, very heavy users. And the ability to actually use advertising to aspire to inspire um, something which the person didn't anticipate rather than merely satisfying someone's own definition of their wants seems to be actually really important in the question of kind of market efficiency. Yeah, and again, when you when you think about how one is like the platform performs, you know, for, for brands and advertisers that use the platform in a way it absolutely performs, and it's exactly because of that, but it starts with that having to think with the fact that very often we see things happen much earlier than actually they happen in other platforms because of, because of this planning mindset. Like people come with that very open mindset. They don't know what they want. And this, you know, this sometimes can be, uh, can be a challenge because I can tell you, you know, normally, for example, Christmas or Pinterest uh, starts to be planned in April, May. You know, so the reality is Christmas is already happening on, on, on Pinterest. And that and that's this unique behavior of people coming and they take time and then you know they'll go back and they'll think about it and again think it, it, but then at the end of the day they will come and and make it a reality whether they, the last click happens on Pinterest or elsewhere they make it a reality. So so what are, what are the really big categories? Obviously fashion, obviously interior decoration and architecture and style and design. Um, is there a property um, potential for the real estate market? Because that's a similar kind of slow burn purchase, which could really do with disruption because the way in which it currently works strikes me as broken. But I mean, I know there's quite a lot of architecture on Pinterest. I was just wondering whether anyone had actually got into the real estate business through this because it strikes me as a, a kind of missing link. Oh, look, people people come like in some of the, and I do want to like, they plan, but sometimes the planning is, I'm planning a meal for tonight, how to entertain my kids. So sometimes actually the planning is with right in a short framework. I'm talking about the bigger life moment, which which actually is one of the things that is is uh, so unique. So think of it that way. So people come, plan their wedding. That's a very, very core, core use case. You know, it's it's very fascinating how people, you know, like how extended the weddings are uh, and what people plan for. From there, people will come and plan their honeymoon. From there, you go to the next life moment, which is maybe a new house, a new baby, which comes with a different, like maybe a need for a new car, which needs financing. So it's a lot around those 
uh, moments that actually the, the planning happens. So where we see, you know, the, our, our endemic verticals are the likes of, you know, as you said, um, uh, food, beauty is very big, like makeup, um, skincare, etc., fashion, uh, home decor, etc. But we also have seen incredible success with the likes of travel, auto, financial services, you know, entertainment. So there is a quite that when you think of when you think of the platform as life moments, you actually can see how that all the different advertising co- comes into play. And it's also, by the way, I mean, when you think about it, it has quite a few unique characteristics. It's, I imagine, almost completely lacking in toxicity, which is something you can't say about many successful advertising platforms. Um, and it, and your ability to preempt is pretty much unique. I mean, I'm just trying to think how else you do this further because the top of the funnel undoubtedly is neglected by most digital because it's so obsessed with attribution and quantification. And obviously the bottom of the funnel delivers its results faster and the attribution is easier. And so you actually have a kind of unique uh, ability to reach people before the decision is half made, if you like. I'm just trying to think, do you see yourself as having any competitors, really? <laughs> TikTok, I don't know. Is TikTok, um, I mean, is is that a, I mean, that's a very different approach. I mean, that is a, I mean, that's not a, so. that's kind of not a social medium either, in a way. It's a public broadcast platform, I guess. I mean, look, again, it's, there's two things that are predominantly right for Pinterest. Like people come to get inspired and the majority of them want to shop because they want to make, because they want to make that, that uh, inspiration reality. But I think you touched on a very important point, which is around that positivity. And I think that's really one of the things that I personally, I'm very passionate about is, you know, what, how do we engineer a better internet? You know, and I think one of the things that Pinterest has done over the many years is taken a stance on those big societal topics much before they became somebody else. So now we banned misinformation much earlier. You know, we banned weight loss ads. You know, these are actions that take commitment, uh, budget, activity, you know, and we really we really think a lot about the well-being of our users. You know, there's, um, if, if, you, if you cast your mind back to the beginning of you know, social media, you know, we started with that promise of connecting people, or, you know, connecting with your neighbors, your family, etc. And over time, we have seen you know, those algorithms really tuning for engagement, for view time. But actually what the algorithms figured out is that the more you are enraged, the more you engage. And actually while engagement is up, mental well-being is down, particularly amongst the young, gener- young generation. And I think at Pinterest, really what, our, what we want to build is a better internet. Uh, and, and in fact, just a, a month ago, we, we launched something called the Internet Pledge, the, 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 um, the Positivity Pledge, which is, which is really our commitment to um, make sure that we all together as an industry build something that is, that is better for our uh, for society, for our for, for for our children. Sorry, apologies. Um, this is actually a topic I'm very very passionate about. So the Inspired Internet Pledge was done with um, a hospital in, in the in US, uh, and it has a couple of a couple of areas. You know, one is we really want to make the internet safer and and healthier, and it has three principles. You know, the first one is chill for well being, which is understand what are the things in content that correlate with well being. You know, listening and acting. So this is listening and understanding the people that have might have experienced harm online, what the experience is like, 
And finally, committing to openness, which is really we want everybody to share and uh, lessons collaboratively across that industry because our well-being shouldn't be a point of differentiation. It should be across everything. And this is so important. Yeah, it's a category problem. It's not a problem that can be solved one brand at a time. I completely agree. I mean, you could you could also argue that conventional media have an extreme negativity bias and to some extent, uh, you know, they've also learned that effectively enraging is engaging. Uh, the problem that creates, I mean, you know, it's, it, in some ways it's, an, it's a facet of human nature and the extent that, you know, if I hear two people outside the window discussing the weather, I don't get up from my chair. But if I hear a fight breaking out, I'm immediately there with my nose pressed against the window. And, you know, it's in our nature. But then we didn't evolve for an environment where we could be, in, you know, exposed to enraged opinion, you know, every single waking hour of our day. You know, it was something which was, uh, you know, reasonably kept, uh, you know, within manageable limits. And now you have this policy where you, you know, this this environment where you can, if you like, remain constantly angry. I mean, I've just had a, I've just written a piece on electric cars in The Spectator and the comment section has reached something like 500 comments. And electric cars just divide people. I mean, it's obvious that electric cars are part of the solution. We can leave everything else. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to say that everybody should drive an electric car, but it's perfectly clear that they are part of the solution to mobility. And yet the extent to which the debate has become polarised is just completely ludicrous. And it's just very difficult. I think, you know, people have effectively worked themselves into kind of frenzied positions on things, which is not really the normal state of human discussion or debate. You know, you don't, most of the time we don't entirely take sides. You know, if we have a, an argument involving our friend, somebody will say, yeah, but on the other hand, he does have a point. Okay. You know, it's not, it's not necessary that your complete loyalty to one side or the other has to determine you. Know, it has to be a fundamental part of your identity. And yet we've created a world in which that seems to have happened. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, I think looking across the whole spectrum of internet media and even conventional media, I mean, bad news stories versus good that, you know, virtually no journalist ever writes an optimistic story and um, you're not really rewarded for doing so. You're supposed to be exposing, you know, all that is evil and wrong with the world. And indeed, if you write a positive story, people assume you've been paid to do it. So you lose credibility. And these biases seem to be fairly widely pervasive. But I have to say, Pinterest seems to be obviously you have to write. There's the question, which is always a question about any form of medium, which is that we're unrealistically exposed to unfeasibly attractive versions of people, rooms, you know, um, complexions, clothing, body shape, and therefore that, um, uh, you know, whereas in the normal sort of evolutionary environment, uh, you know, there weren't that many great looking people. <laughs> and if you're exposed to a world in which you're constantly exposed to people who've been airbrushed in any case, um, it's, are you, you so you're conscious of that, presumably, particularly in the kind of area of cosmetics and, and fashion. I it actually also applies in the area of interior decor, in that most people visit other people's homes when they've just been typed. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, actually, other people's <laughs> homes the rest of the time are, are a bit shittier uh, than most guests realise, I think. And so, then, I mean, there was always an interesting one. I, I met someone who was a journalist at House and Garden, and I said, I can't understand it because those people, they seem to have spent 50000 on their kitchen, and they've spent, 
you know, forty thousand pounds on their main room, but they don't seem to have a television. They don't seem to have like you know a digital radio in the kitchen. Where's the microwave? And the woman from House and Garden I met said, "Oh, we take all those things out before we do the photographic shoot." So, as a consequence, people have been exposed to this idea of what a normal kitchen looks like, which is kind of unrealistic. And so, I suppose you've got to be conscious of the, of that fact that. You know, you're, you're, in a sense, people will always curate an artificially beautiful world for themselves. Well, we, we actually have a lot of, you know, what we call inclusive features in the design of the, of the, uh, of the platform. So, for example, we don't have filters on the platform. Interesting. And, for example, when you go and search for, let's say, makeup, you will see different skin tone ranges. So, immediately you can click and say, okay, I want to see makeup for my skin, skin tone. Same thing with with hair. So when I look for hair, now you, your listeners can't see me, but I have a very curly hair. It's really, it's really challenging. Like the, most of the stuff doesn't work. For me. So when I go on Pinterest, I put whatever it might be. Again, it gives me different uh, types of hair texture and I immediately click on it and see people that look exactly like me. So that inclusivity is, that's why it's so important. As I just shared, you know, we, we banned weight loss ads because we want to create this place where people feel- By the way, I imagine that was a pretty lucrative category while it lasted, was it? We lost money. Yes, we lost revenue, yes. But this is this is the, the, exactly the, the, the point I was making is you have to commit to this positivity that this doesn't just happen. No, it has to be engineered that way. It has to be put into the product. So, you know, the way, for example, when people come and look for certain information that we might that the platform perceives as mental health challenges, we, we direct them to places where they can actually find mental health. So we, we have this really built into the platform. And, and that's why I think it's, it's so important. And the, the other thing I think sometimes is people think like, oh, this is just a ni- nice to have. You know, we did a, we did a research uh, last year, which basically showed that people are more likely to remember, trust, and ultimately buy from brands that appear in positive environments. So while uh, this is really, it is, we do care about the well-being. As a mother of young, young girls, I, I care very deeply about. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What also strikes me as quite important is the opportunities you provide, particularly in online retail. 
but actually for uh, all brands to really help SMEs. I don't know what links you have with Shopify, for example, but it always strikes me that most categories online effectively devolve to a winner-takes-all of So you have, obviously, Amazon. And, you know, let's be realistic, I'm probably never going to go anywhere else if I need to buy new USB cable. But nonetheless, you know, there are there are other plenty of other smaller companies. And so is part of your strategy to target SMEs, smaller online retailers? Yes, uh, we, we want anybody who has something that will add to the experience of a pinner. We want to have their catalog. We want to have their products. But in fact, one of the things really we talk a lot about is democratization of shopping. It's exactly that you might be the biggest retailer or you might be some somebody very small who does something very custom and you both have places it, it, and you will serve a specific need. You know, and in fact, I mean, um, a, a personal story, I found this amazing little brand in the UK that does this one thing really, really well, kimonos. I probably have bought four or five bikes. You've got to name the brand. I mean, I think we can do them a favor on, on, on the air. What's the brand? They call 100 stars. <laughs> 100 stars, right. Okay, we'll give them, we'll, we'll happily give them a plug. I don't mind that because, no, abso- this is absolutely right, which is that actually there's an extraordinarily interesting ecosystem of online fashion, online food, tea and coffee, for example, uh, you know, single origin coffee beans. Uh, there's this amazing ecosystem and it's difficult for them to get cut through i think uh because you know the search to you know search is too late you know by the time you've got to the point of actually actively searching or, or obviously going to a retailer to search okay you know they're now out of the frame of of, of reference uh that you know they've dropped out of contention and you know i, I was thinking of a brand actually um uh, there's a brand called my wife occasionally uses it called Blaze B L A I Z dot co UK, which is Latin American fashion houses effectively, and it's a London it's a London based company. It does uh, mail order, but it's a completely different thing. Now, I don't, you know, I don't think I don't think anybody's going to sit down and you know and suddenly search for Latin American fashion brands, but knowing of the existence of this place gives you a completely new. Um, opportunity space for looking at an interesting way to buy something, and it's genuinely different. And I think that I think that fight against homogenization, I think, is really really important. So you see SMEs, even presumably Etsy, I would guess, um, as fairly major um, uh, advertisers. Because I mean, this, these figures are when, when I think about it, these figures are kind of extraordinary. So you've got. Uh, let me see. In the UK, I think you've got 17 million uh, regular monthly users, uh, which is, you know, pretty heavy chunk of the UK population. It's a quarter. You pr- presumably lean female, I'm guessing. Is that fair? Yes. However, we are seeing a strong growth from uh, men, actually, in, in Gen Z. This is probably what, this is the tour of our biggest demographic where, where, where they grow. Men, men are a bit hopeless for clothes. Basically, you know, we've got a formula, jeans, shirt. But nonetheless, it, it, that's changing. I think you'll be surprised. Well, actually, um, but, but look, it's it's a, so 17 million people and we have 10 million ideas every day being saved in the UK. So this is like 10, you know, think of it that way. Okay, yeah. Good reframing that. That's, that's really nice reframing. Every day, 10 million people have an idea, which is something that you can then help them with. Actually, I was going to say advertise to, but you can actually help them with their idea. 
Yeah. Yes, and, and the point is, you can be a really big retailer, you can be a very small retailer, you all have a place. Yes. And, and again, the, 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 the thing that about Pinterest that creates this, this space is, um, one is, as I said, like the democratization of the algorithm and how it works, but also the way people think about it. I'll give you the other, uh, another interesting just example is, you know, we're in the picnic season, and if you are planning a picnic, um, in this Pinterest picnic isn't just sausage rolls and you know whatever else it is the aesthetic around it is the picnic tablescaping it's the outfit that you're gonna wear it's it's a is this whole wide aesthetic of what the day would be how the day would go and this is what gives this opportunity for for various brands you know to come in and go like okay let me let me inspire you and then help you make it a, bring it a reality and that's the thing that's the thing i like this is to me as i said at the beginning is the serendipity of our you sold you sold me completely on this usp in fact i shouldn't be quite so <laughs> easily sold but it strikes me that you're unusual in that but most interactions with digital interfaces are a case of the user effectively whether consciously or unconsciously reducing their solution set and you're the case where actually what you're doing is expanding their possible solutions set and actually adding to the diversity of their consideration rather than reducing it and that that strikes me as actually important in in general market terms that one of the problems with giving people what they think they want is that actually it probably creates an environment where innovation is stalled because most people think they know what they want they look for it they buy it they're not dissatisfied because in terms of what they wanted it's what they wanted but actually, there were 17 opportunity costs out there. There were 17 missed opportunities out there, which they failed to see. And so you, in, in effectively running against the stream here, you seem to perform a really, really valuable service. And I'll give you the other side of that, which is also interesting for, I think, for brands and for advertisers, is because we see people coming here so early, you know, we, we tend to see trends much earlier than they, they go elsewhere. So now every year we release in December normally this this report, you know, Pinterest predicts where we predict the trends for the year ahead. Not not what was trending in the year back, but what's trending in the year ahead. And now for several years in a row, uh, 80% of our predictions are coming true. And in fact, now the trends of Pinterest, they start early, they last longer, and they have like this bigger impact. So for brands, you know, they can tap into these trends to see, you know, what people are actually on a, on a large scale interested in, or that can inform creatives and media plans and other platforms. So this is this is another really unique thing that like you have. It is as if you have a crystal ball, but it's not a crystal ball really. So, so you, you actually have a windscreen rather than the rear view mirror because so much kind of trend spotting is done by extrapolating at a point when it's already too late to preempt the trend. Whereas you get genuine kind of early stage indication. Are you going to, come on, you've got to share a trend with us that uh, you've spotted. Um, anything you like, you know. I mean, presumably, you know. I mean, it'd be interesting that you possibly would have spotted after the pandemic this huge urge to travel again, for instance, which not all people predicted. A lot of people thought people would actually become slightly agoraphobic. Um, what if you can share one kind of whether it's a fashion trend, cosmetics trend, travel trend, um design trend so the, beginning, so the thing with trends is that they you know they keep also uh there's micro trends throughout the year as well until the beginning of the year we we forecast we predicted a couple of things so for example in travel it was uh, train travel so people use much more train interesting by the time i saw it i had bought a train trip for my daughter for christmas gift I was like, i'm on trend 
um, we had a trend around fashion called airy style. So this big, you know, lace, uh, more, more flowy type of dresses. Um, I'm trying to think. And then we had a, a great trend called rust merit, which is, you know, weddings with this orange rust color, which I didn't necessarily, I was, I was like, really? And yet it's coming, it's becoming true. Actually, if you look around, like that rust color is, is yeah, coming. Yeah. Even, I, even I have noticed the prevalence <laughs> of that. But you spotted that right at the beginning of the year. Yeah, at the end of last year. Yes. This is actually really intriguing. I mean, it's, um, uh, by the way, I'm going to actually repeat the numbers from the beginning because they astounded me. I mean, I knew it was large, don't get me wrong. I didn't assume it was a niche. But... Your forecast uh, ad revenue is by 2026 is to grow to 4.1 billion, and you already have 463 million global active users, which is, I guess, kind of five to six percent of the world's population, and that's global active users as well. And my other hunch is it's it's pretty sticky. Is that fair? In that people who do it do it more because they find the, the whole process rewarding. I mean, my great question about threads is they're boasting about their sign-up count, but that doesn't really say anything about the usage. Um, you know, no one's going to actually leave having signed up. You've got to delete your Instagram account if you want to do so. No one's going to do that. But on the other hand, how sticky threads is, is the question. It's not a question. So, so generally, you find that once people reach a certain level of usage in Pinterest... They stick around. We have seen engagement over this last year uh, grow actually faster than our users. So so people are, being, are engaging more on the platform and they're engaging across different use cases. Is the example I gave you earlier. Like if somebody has come to the platform to plan their wedding, you know, help them, how can we help them think about a different a different use case of the platform? But it's definitely we've seen engagement, which has been very, very promising. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's very, very interesting, which makes sense, actually. And the I mean, there is the problem, I think, with the thing we mentioned earlier, which is you get people engaged by getting them enraged, which is it works all the way up to the point where it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? In that it's, it, 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 it's a bit like an addiction, which is highly potent in the short term. It's a very sensible algorithm. It's a very sensible variable to optimize in the short term. But ultimately, people cotton on and go, okay, it's time to stop doing. But again, the, the, our platform is, is different. It's, it's, we don't, you don't come there to show where you've been. You don't come to share your opinion. You come to plan. And it, it depends what the thing is that you're planning. So when, when, when I talk about engagement, it's more about like those different use cases that the, the people have. It's like, okay, I'm, I, I used to come for this. Now I'm going to do more of that, but also something else. But it's always, as a platform, we always want people to go offline and make whatever they found on the platform a reality. Like that's that's exactly it. We want people to create a life they love and we want that to be in, in real life. We always have a feature on this podcast called the Top Two Challenges and it's become a bit of a regular feature. In fact, so much so that it has its own jingle. Top Two Challenges, brought to you by Alf Insights. Alf Insight helps media owners, agencies, and marketing service providers improve their new business pipelines by equipping them with in-depth insights, accurate information, and daily news updates on the leading and challenger brands in the UK. Alf also helps sports clubs, venues, and charities with new partnership deals. Alf Insight identifies the brands to target at the right time, providing everything you need to tailor the perfect pitch. Visit Alf Insight, that's ALFinsight.com, or click the link in the episode description to find out more. 
first question, what would you say is the biggest challenge for Pinterest? And then the second question is, what's the most pressing challenge for the online media sector as a whole? Now, you, the second question, you've kind of answered by saying that there are whole problems with, in particular, social media platforms, but generally online platforms, which is that the action needs to be taken collectively on the part of the users and that it's not a, it's not a problem that will be solved one brand at a time or by a single unilateral action. So I'll, I'll take it that you've, you've answered that question, I think, about the, the whole online media um, environment in general. What's the biggest challenge for Pinterest or what's the biggest ambition? Are there whole new categories you'd like to break? So when we think about you know, what's the future for us and what are the things we're trying to solve is really making sure that we become this full funnel platform where shopping is possible uh, wherever you are in the platform. So really, we want to make sure that we build uh, on the platform that, that catalog of products that then we can surface to our users and people can buy. But also more broadly, create a platform where both for people and for advertisers, they can see more opportunities. So there are, we in the plus, we have many new products like a for example, recently we launched something called Travel Catalogs, which is specifically for travel advertisers, but it's amongst those areas in how to bring people from inspiration to, to decision to then making it happen to do. You know, so that, I would say like our journey is continuing to become this full funnel inspiration platform. It, interestingly, do you have a local component to it? Because one of the, one of the weird assumptions about online advertising is that online advertising only leads to online shopping. Now, you've said what you want people to do is to forge inspiration here and then whether it be online or in the real world to make that dream a reality, if you like. Now, it strikes me that you can equally work with online retailers, but you can also work with either smaller local retailers uh, or else with larger bricks and mortar retailers just as well as you can with online retailers. And there's a bit of a problem, which is, once you've found something at an online shop, that same thing may well be available half a mile away, but you're going to buy it online because you're not going to reverse all the way down your search tree and start all over again. Um, do, do, what proportion of, of, of the advertising do you think can be from uh, you know conventional real-world brands not necessarily selling online? Or what proportion of it could be local retailers reaching... Uh, the Pinterest community, you know, within 10, 15, 20 miles range. Ultimately, what we want is people to go and buy it wherever it makes sense for them. You know, and some of the the retailers, you know, I, and I think we're past the time where maybe a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, the people who shop offline and people who shop online. We all do both. You know, you can be researching online, buying online, the other way around, people go to a shop, buy it online. So, you know, this thing of like separation, just I don't think it exists anymore. People buy wherever it's convenient for them to buy. And so we don't see necessarily that all the purchases are happening online. Actually, a large number are happening offline. The problem there is actually not efficacy. I think um, online advertising for local entities works very well. It's just proving it. Because obviously, you know, every online purchase is perfectly attributable and trackable, whereas the offline purchase, it's harder to prove the connection. Um uh, a very interesting business, which I recommend you talk to, called Near Street, run by someone called Nick Brackenbury. And Near Street, I don't know if you've come across them. It's N A N E A R S T, I think it is. Um, uh, their their aim is to make the world's 
physical retail inventory just as searchable as the world's online inventory. And so the idea is that local shops can actually effectively upload their inventory and make it just as searchable on Google as something would be on, say, Amazon. Um, but that's that's an interesting business because what it's intending to do is to slightly level the playing field between where you search and where you buy. And at the moment, it's so easy to search online. You tend to find something at an online retailer because they advertise more, so you end up buying it online, even though, to be honest, if you were given the choice, you would have driven into town and um, helpfully revived the high street. So I think that's another interesting thing, and it's probably a product of the fact that you're further up the funnel so that, in a sense, you know, uh, you, you can just as easily inspire someone with something from a local shop two miles away as you can inspire someone with, you know, whatever happens being sold online, which I think I, I think is actually highly important because I think far too much advertising has become effectively transactional and overly focused around the bottom of the funnel. Not that it's not important. You've got to, you've got to get the bottom of the funnel working or there's no point in doing anything further up. But nonetheless, I think that I think there's been a complete sort of bias towards bottom of the funnel, highly transactional, you know, not not really persuading someone to buy something they wouldn't otherwise have bought, but getting someone to buy something they would have bought sooner for less. There's also the, there's also what I call the the glass toaster problem, uh, which is that you need inspiration when you buy, and you need in some ways a kind of equivalent of the human salesman because if you search for a toaster you will get absolutely bamboozled with 47 different types of toaster and then only on page four of your search results do you discover there's actually a glass-sided toaster which means you can pop the eject button just when the crumpets or the muffins are at the right level of brownness now had you not known about a glass-sided toaster you'd never search for it and therefore what you can do is break this catch-22 problem where people only effectively look for things they already knew existed in the first place. So I think there's something very, very interesting there. And again, I think the Pinterest is the online place of uh, a beautiful high street, but it's based around my own taste, my own personal preferences, my own interests, which is which is what makes it beautiful. And again, to your point, though, is where people go and buy it afterwards is is really what whatever would work for them. However, you know, the different brands are are advertising, but I think that's the beauty of it is, is that online buying versus online shopping, you know, and bringing the joy back to, to shopping and making sure that you, you know, you, you walk around this virtual, virtual store and you find things that you didn't know you want. You, you, you want. That, I, I think that's, um, yeah, I, I, it's that serendipitous question, which we, you know, which I think keeps recurring, doesn't it? You know, that actually, you know, a large part of buying the right thing is not defining what you want in advance. It's getting lucky enough to discover what's out there. And um, I think that's absolutely tremendous. I mean, do you, do agencies have, because I was thinking about this, that, you know, a good agency, whether a media agency or a creative agency, I know Ogilvy has um, a division of people who only focus on TikTok. Are there media agency people who are over, you know, who are healthily dedicated to, exploring the possibilities of Pinterest for their clients. I'm thinking, you know, Mediacom has quite a large fashion portfolio and so on. Have you reached that level of specialism yet? Because it would be worth it. I mean, I, you know, I see the case. We work with all our agency partners across both the creative side and the, and the media side, you know, and and it's a it's a continuous partnership evolution of really making sure that they understand all the, the value of the 
of the platform and that they maximize it for, for their clients. And do you work with clients directly as well or in the, both, yes. presumably? Yes, we work with both. Yes, we have a, we, we work with clients and again, we we have some deep partnerships with uh, amazing brands across the UK as well as your. Finally, I mean, last question, in 2023 and beyond, your is your core ambition to bring on more users? Is it to um, increase usage or, or just broaden the number of use cases that your current users have? Is it bringing on new, completely new advertisers in new categories? Well, we want to have you know healthy user growth and user engagement, yeah. uh, as well as bring innovation into that marketplace to make sure that advertisers are taking advantage of the platform. Again, we ultimately believe that this is a win-win for both our users as well as our advertising partners. And that's what we want to do. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Ilka, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. You've been listening to On Brand with Alf and Rory Sutherland. If you want to do business with Pinterest or with any other online media channel, contact the Alf Insight team on their website, which is, of course, www.alfinsight.com. That's alfinsight.com. You can also find the link in the episode description. The series, of course, is produced and expertly edited by the newly named Ultimate Content. And to make sure you receive the next episode, this is the really crucial bit, please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then give us a like, which tweaks the algorithm in our favor in some unspecified and unknowable way. Well, all I can say is thank you for listening and look forward to uh, meeting you virtually next time. Thank you very much indeed. Milka, it's been a pleasure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.